Hey guys, it's Tony. I'm here to talk to you about Awaken Conference. Now, Awaken is a young adult gathering in Charlotte, North Carolina from January 31st to February 2nd, 2020. And it's meant to help you recharge your spiritual life and connect with a community that you can grow your faith alongside. Now, this year's presenters include a killer lineup with Caleb Isley of Humans of Adventism and, of course, a friend of the podcast. He's been on a few episodes. Kim Cove, a licensed counselor, and Randy Ban, the creative producer at Nike World Headquarters. The keynotes will be brought by Ben Lundquist of the Rise and Lead podcast, uh, a good friend of mine and an amazing speaker. Trust me, guys, you will not want to miss out. And Absurdity will be there. So me and Becker, uh, you get, get to see us if you come out. Uh, would love to come and talk to you. We absolutely think that this is something you're going to want to come and see. Speaking of, if you enter the code Absurdity at awakennc.com, that's Absurdity, A-B-S-U-R-D-I-T-Y, at awakennc.com, you're going to get a 10% discount. We'd love to see you there. This is absolutely something that we support, and we think that Awaken is a part of the growing church movement that we want to see moving forward. Once again, if you enter code absurdity at awakennc.com, you'll get a 10% discount off the initial price. Love to see you guys there. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology. Hey guys, just a quick update before we jump into this episode. We recorded this about a week ago, and a day afterward, Jose Briones, our guest, uh, interviewed Anthony Burrell, one of the people involved in the Unity video, and he has that interview up as of yesterday, and it's just called The Unity Video with Anthony Burrell, and it's on the Disruptive Adventism podcast. So you can go check that interview out because there are some details in there that we were unaware of when we recorded our responses and reactions to The Unity Video. A couple things that even if you don't go back and listen to, you need to know moving forward into this episode. The first point of clarification is this. The Unity video was not lay-led in that anyone in the video just dreamed it up. It was the spouse of a GC employee that approached these individuals with this idea. And so it came from the spouse of a GC employee. However, it wasn't necessarily GC-tied to begin with. However, when the, uh, when the participants in the video stepped up to actually record, they had to sign releases saying that they were okay with their likeness being used in this presentation. And unfortunately, when you start using release forms in that way, uh, it does become organ organizationally bound. So um, in my opinion, that makes this a little bit worse. But I was thankful for Anthony Burrell's opinion uh, for, his, uh, for his information that he gave uh, and, and context that he gave around the video. It was a great interview, Jose. Thank you for the work you did there. Um, so go check that out uh, if you want. The first 20 minutes of that episode is going to be the bulk of what you need to know. But I've given you enough context now. Let's jump into today's episode on the Unity video with Jose Briones and Tony Anoboli. Hey everyone, welcome back to Disruptive. Oh wait, no, it's not Disruptive Adventism, but that will become clear why I just said that here in a moment. Welcome back to Absurdity. Uh, I am here with Tony Anoboli, my fearless, creditless co-host, and I am also here with a good friend of mine who is currently just passing through to and from school, Jose Briones. 
Jose, thank you for joining us, man. Uh, thanks for having me. It's an honor to be in the Absurdity Podcast with Ryan Becker. I mean, like, it doesn't get better than that. It's You're true. literally with Ryan Becker as you do that. So literally, yeah. like, so Tony is in his house in Michigan, um, and he's on his own. And we're on Google Hangouts, and then Jose is sitting literally right next to me. So that's how this is playing out today. And uh, Jose, you host. Let's let's do this before we even talk about anything that we're going to talk about today, which is going to be a really fun topic. Oh yeah. Um, Jose, give us the rundown on who you are. Give us the rundown on disruptive Adventism, all of it. I want you to, this is your shameless, this is your time. Wow. Shamelessly plug yourself, and then I'll cut that shameless plug in half when I edit the episode. Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> all right. So my name is Jose Briones. Uh, I'm a host for Disruptive Adventism. That's another podcast, um, Adventist podcast. Pretty much what we're doing is just encouraging conversation. That's all we do. We're trying to get people if you're listening to this podcast and you want to be featured, we want to hear your story. We want to, you know, kind of like just have it out there and listen to what you're doing that is changing Adventism for the better. And I think the topic today will be very disruptive for sure. Oh, absolutely. Uh, because if you've seen anything over the last two, over the last week and a half, two weeks, two weeks, when this episode releases, it's two weeks. We're, re we're recording this November 25, but it's going to release about a week or a week and a day from today. So, um, yeah, if you've seen anything over the last two weeks within Adventism, you've probably seen a brand new video on Unity. And if you just search Unity hashtag GCAC18, you will see this lovely video pop up on YouTube of uh, some people talking to uh, in front of a white background, uh, which this video, this video came out of nowhere, right? Like there was no, it just kind of appeared. Yeah. All of a sudden, there was no fanfare um, or prep for it. It just kind of all of no, a sudden yeah. was, you know, it's not like GC session or annual council, which had buildup. This just dropped. Yeah, it just happened. I mean, like it's it was just like I one day I just went through my feed and I see this video. I'm like, OK, you need a video. We'll see what it's going to be about. And then like I watch it and then, well, you know, people just start talking about it and talking and talking and talking. Well, and which which is rare because normally when the GC does something, produces something, and that's I think something that we should talk about a little bit, kind of their whole involvement on this. Um, but yeah, normally when they produce something, there's at least a a buzz to it, and there there wasn't at all with this. No, there wasn't. It came out of nowhere, and I think this is this is worth noting because a lot of this is going to be talked about within light of the Adventist Revolution video, uh -huh. which. Listeners, if you don't know what that is, just go back to our last episode. But um, yeah, this the, this is going to be talked about within light of the Adventist Revolution video, which was independently made and posted, right? Like it wasn't, but this video, the Unity video, was posted on the official Adventist News Network YouTube channel. Um, so like, it's not even like it was, it was... It was posted on there. Ted Wilson put it on his personal... Yeah, he tweeted it tweeter, out. Tweeter. Twitter page. Um, Twitter account. Um, it was, I think, the Adventist Review. I think, yeah, put published it or or put it on their Twitter page. I th I think, don't quote me. Um, but yeah, like it was definitely at every time that it has been put out, it's like this is done with the GC's backing. So it's like very publicly a G a general conference backed and produced element. 
Okay, so for those of you who have no idea what we're talking about, let me let me give some background here to the video itself. The Unity video is something, if you read the description of it on YouTube, it says it was created by lay members in partnership with the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. Um, so the idea is this was actually filmed at Southern Adventist University, and it was filmed in the lighting lab uh, on campus that the film department uses. And I really want to make something clear here in this conversation, which is that it was not produced by Southern. It was produced and created at Southern. Southern did not have a hand in it. Southern did not even, I would venture to know that, or guess that Southern didn't even know it was going to exist at any point. Didn't even know it was happening. Uh, it was created by uh, a film student and uh, a theology student um, and in partnership with, for, with different people in the area. And honestly, like what I find funny about it is like you could almost tell it was filmed at Southern almost immediately because I can't think of another place that Adventists have access to in the Southern Union that produces that quality. But all the people that I saw in the video, I recognized from the Southern Union. That was at Southern for sure. Yeah. I mean, you've seen videos from Southern even in the past. Like I can think of other videos that have been produced in the past from Southern and they have the same feel, the same yeah. background. It's like yeah. I was like, you, you, you brought up a good point with like even the style that they did it in is yeah. similar to videos that Southern has put up. Yeah. Um, if you've seen, uh, we were in one for small groups. It had a, a similar feel to that um, yep. a long time ago, ages ago, ages ago uh, for life groups. It had kind of a similar feel. So yeah, um, it had a very Southern feel to it, Jose. I think you, you really nailed on that. Like, And I think that's what's most frustrating for, for us as Southern graduates is like, great. You know, this is not the first time stuff like that has happened on Southern's campus. Um, A certain conspiracy theorist whose name I will not mention here, but if y'all want to know, hit me up on my DMs. I'll tell you his (laughs) name. I have no problem dragging him through privately, Um, but he's a conspiracy (laughs) theorist and he's an avowed conspiracy theorist. And he says this and he came up and spoke for uh, GYCSE and with Southern's logo and seal uh, came and spoke and literally named names of people and drove people's names in the mud and dried their reputations and did all that. And it was a nightmare because I happened to be working for the enrollment department at the time. And we had to go through and people who went to churches or were associated, one of the speaker, like one of the people that he named their kid was thinking of coming to Southern and they ended up going somewhere else, not specifically because of that video, but it did not help. Um yeah. So things like that, where it was like, and, and, and there have been other instances where people shot stuff on Southern's campus, and it's like, it, it's really unfortunate that it has that feel, you know, Jose, that you were bringing yeah. up, because it, 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 it now will forever have that, uh, I don't want to say stench about it, but it, it'll Stigma. have that. Yeah, it'll, it'll, have, it'll, yeah. Just, it'll just have that little flavor. It'll have that, oh, yeah, this was done at Southern. And it'll, it'll just, people... It, 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 Southern has enough bad press on its own, on its own merit. It gets enough bad press because of decisions that get made and different things. Um, so it's like, let us actually make the mistakes we're going to make and do the good things that we're going to do. Yeah. Don't add to that. Now, before we go any further, I did, I haven't actually said what the video is about. So yeah, we the video talk about this. was, the video <laughs> was it's made five minutes. That by, so it's, not, it's, not a five, it's a five minute video. Yeah. About sharing a scripted, a scripted message, uh, 
basically appealing to people who are in favor of the NAD's decision, unions decisions to ordain women, um, people who are in favor or people who are not in favor of the compliance documents that were passed, basically anyone not on board with GC actions or GC votes. Um, it was appealing to them to say, Hey, look, we're a family and the family has made decisions um, and we need to stick by the family. And so it's appealing to them and, uh, it uses a variety of, and this is really important too, it uses a variety and a mix of lay members and people in ministry, which is why I really don't like that it said says it's produced by lay members because it's people either in ministry or studying to be in ministry or, um, yeah, it's it's not just, just a group of lay people completely uninvolved in church leadership that are doing this. And on top of that, uh, it uses a variety of ages and demographics um, to communicate its point all the way from, you know, someone in their, probably, I would venture to say the oldest in there is probably in their 50s, uh, and then all the way down to like probably six or seven years old. So it's it does span uh, multiple generations as well. And yeah, it's a five-minute appeal to agree with the actions of the GC and the GC in session back in 2015. So that's what the video is about. And if you haven't watched it, there is a link in the episode description, so you can go check that out. Um, so let's, let's, let's do this. You should pause right now and go watch it because you're not going to get it unless you watch it. It's true. So let's, let's, and you don't, if you're driving or whatever, running or whatever, you don't actually need to see it though. That would help understand why it bothers. Let's so bothersome, but you can just listen to it. It's no big deal. Um, so let's start with this. Let's be fair. What are some positives about the video? If you can't think of anything, that's fine. Be intellectually honest here. Um, but what are, what are some positives about this video that you can think of? Let's not have awkward silence. No. Like, you know, like th- there are some positives. I mean, to a, to a certain degree. <laughs> I mean, that's telling. Honestly, really the silence. Uh, there personally. is, there is, there is one positive. At least from my perspective, I mean, like, honestly, if we cannot see any positives, we kind of need to start checking ourselves. Like, you know, because at least the positive thing is to me, one of the things that is positive is that is involving the lay members that were there into the conversation. Like, you know, just bringing it out of the high hierarchy kind of, quote unquote, like, you know, getting it into like pastoral circles, into more lay member circles, which I think is important in order to in order to advance the real mission or the real change that we need. Yeah, but they so, did. But, well, OK, I, Jose, I may not I, agree I would, with the video, but I'm saying like involving lay members is a very important part. That That's that's what I'm saying. But they didn't go out and interview lay members. This is my issue with that, Jose. They mm-hmm. didn't go out well, and ask yes. them their opinions. They wrote a script and then said, hey, you, and and again, Ryan pointed out, they're not all lay members. I would say, yes, that's positive, except they didn't go out, you know, like Jimmy Fallon or or one of the late night hosts and actually interview people and say, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? They wrote a script for them. Now, okay, but- you, can, you can give a professional actor or an amateur actor a script, but either way, they're still an actor. Yeah, as that's fine. If you pay but, them, they're an actor. Whether or not they do this for not, their but job these people or not. Paid. And so to me, yeah, they're a lay person. But the moment that they stepped up and said those things, they're no longer a lay person. They are working for the, for the I, you know what I mean? I ah. disagree with that, actually. Because, so, like, they're not paid, so they're not professional. And they li- and because they're not paid, it means that they're not, not going to say words. something. But they're not going to say something they don't agree with. That's my point. Well, they can agree with it, but that's not their words. 
is my fine, thing. but that, that, they, they're they're still saying something they stand behind. That's what I'm saying. Like, well, so but it's then st- they're that, saying by that statement, it the hierarchy doesn't really matter because then those hierarchy people are speaking for the lay people that do agree with them. See yeah, what I'm that's, saying? That's, that, like, that's if what they I'm, had but, gone and actually interviewed people and gotten their words, I would saying. be like, no, absolutely, you're, you know, that's a positive. But again, I go back to they just. They took people, whether or not they agreed with those words, they said, here's a sentiment. Do you agree with this? Yes. Now say this in my words. And that's the part that I, and maybe that's just because I, I think come that's from a film I background. I come from an acting background. I come from a performance background. I know how easy it is to be coached. Um, when I watched this video, I was like, this is, you know what I mean? Oh like, yeah, they were coached. They Absolutely, were, they, they were coached. coached and you're doing this, which <laughs> may, it makes sense. You're trying to make like They were good, coached in technique. You're but... trying to make a good production, but... Yeah, I, I just, that's why I, I don't, now I, I, yes, I think it's important that we get lay people's interview on this and we, and we get their opinions on this, but even then, I think we need to be very careful looking at the demographic of who was chosen, the ethnicity of who was chosen. Well, the demographics are very varied. It's just that yeah. the message, uh, I, it, the demographics it, it was, are varied, but they're pointed. It was and, very we're still positive. Positive. Yeah, exactly. We're still on that, positives. We're still on positives. So, so, yeah. hold on. Okay. So I have I'll two positives. Up, Cause I, I'll admit, I don't see anything. So I'm just going to okay, keep disagree. So that's fine. Y'all say I what have, you think is important. And, and I'll, and, cause, cause <laughs> yeah. Tony has very strong feelings about this video, which is fair. All four, all three of us do. All four of us do. Sugar does too. My dog, who's in this room somewhere. Um, there are two positives I see with this. Number one, um, there are a lot of people that are saying that uh, within the within the North American division, there are a lot of people who who finally feel like uh, there's some sort of content being produced or some sort of message being put out that represents their opinions. Granted, I get that a lot of people are getting like you can complain well their voice is already heard because they're getting their way on the gc stage but within the division there are people that disagree with acts of the division and they feel like they can't say anything or do anything so i will for the same reason that i would want a voice at the table i am glad that they feel like there's something that represents them good i would rather not pretend like they don't exist because they do exist and it's fine to hold opinions i get that all right so that's that's one positive that there's a group that actually feels like they're represented or represented. The second positive is this. This is arguable. And we now know where Adventist News Network stands. Okay. We uh, now know where Advent like uh, yeah. before you could argue uh, you that You know Ad- what? I take it back. There is a positive. Yeah. You, you, <laughs> well done. You, <laughs> well done. Right. You knew you you knew that the Adventist News Network was was you know, a more conservative outlet, sure, a traditional outlet, but it was always news. It was always kind of objective interviews, more objective stories, whatever. This is the first time that they've put out, and they put out with no reporter giving any sort of context. Mm-hmm. They didn't say a video was produced and then played it. They literally just uploaded the video. And to, to their official YouTube. To their official YouTube channel. Yeah, so yeah. Was it wasn't any, that they like, linked it. Yeah, this is no. their... Yeah, they yeah, it's almost if you didn't which know, makes it problematic. Yeah, if you didn't know, then they are the ones that produced it. Yeah, and but they are. Well, no, they, they just are uploaded it. No, 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 no. This is the thing for for financial reasons. If that video were to go viral, Adventist News Network would be the people who make the money off of that. So for oh, all yeah, intents yeah, and yeah. purposes, the ones that they are, are in fact money. own it. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean they could they like, could go to court. So and that's what and I'm, yeah. the people who, who actually made it could go to court and get compensation, 
but it's the actual channel that uploads it uh, that gets it. So yeah, I mean they they are to to a legal and financial degree, in fact, owning this video. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So as I'm thinking, there's one other positive that goes along with that one yeah. is that in in the lay people that participate in this video, this issue is about ordination. Yeah. You know what? Because yeah. the video talks about ordination as a whole, as the issue, as the centralized issue, instead of compliance. See that the unity video that they produce in this, the references that were being made were not to the compliance document. They were being made towards the vote in 1990, the vote in 2015, the vote in 1995. So that's a positive in the sense that it makes it clear what this is about from either camp, you know. But yeah. especially from this production, it yeah. makes it clear that the issue is about ordination, at least within the NAD. Which, yeah, that's a, that's another positive. Which the NAD has made clear that's not their main point. Mm-hmm. No. They've said, you know, they've has said consistently over and over again, this is a symptom of a greater issue. And, and yeah, so they've, I, I think you've, I think that is a really good point, Jose, that they've, they've really made that a pot, like, no, this is the, the hill that we are dying on. Um, well, that's, yeah, that's the thing. Like, women's ordination, as far as the division was concerned, is concerned, women's ordination was the sacrificial goat uh, that had to happen for us to be able, to, for, for, us to be at a point where now we're talking about authority, power structure, and that kind of thing, uniformity and policy. I, um, I'll say it was and, the, it was the the catalyst. Well, that yeah, that's what I'm saying. About. But like yeah. the reason I said sacrificial is because now if you're talking about ordination, don't get me wrong, ordination is important. I want women to be ordained. I'm like my bias is very clear on that. Yeah. Right. But if you're only talking about ordination, you're missing the point, the bigger battle right. that's happening yeah. now. That's what, I, that's why I say sac- yeah. like, okay. So women's yeah. ordination has been sacrificed because if you only talk about ordination, you're missing. Kinda, yeah. Yeah. I you're you. missing the, ar- the, the bigger argument or narrative that's happening here. Um, so. All right. I can see that. Yeah. All right. Let's jump into it. Okay. So. <laughs> um, I'm not going to go into what has been the other response. I think our personal responses will be, uh, we'll we'll reference them as we well, go. It, so it's been interesting what? to see, like as far as on social media, how people have responded to it. Oh, there's the creepy remake by uh, he put it on his personal YouTube channel, so he's calling for it. Yeah, Max, pretty much. I love you, Max. Uh, but Max made a another version that includes heavy metal, distorted voices, and editing uh, because he wanted to communicate to the side to the arm of the church that made this video. He wanted to communicate to them how uncomfortable the original video made him. And I think he actually succeeded in that. Most pretty people much. can't even finish his it's version pretty, of the it's video. It's pretty creepy, yeah. It's yeah, and it's meant to be like that's. It wasn't meant to add to the to discussion. It wasn't made to unify anyone. It was literally made to communicate a very specific point. Um, fair on you, Max. Uh, but yeah, the the responses have been pretty crazy. Most people have said this is cultish, cult like behavior. They don't. They think it's a step back. Um, in fact, the video at the, at the time of this recording, I think it has seven hundred likes and. 2200 dislikes on youtube oh my goodness um which when you get adventists to actually press a like button or a dislike button that's huge like that's huge like getting them to actually engage with something is like getting people on patreon yeah (laughs) Uh, (laughs) if we could get all 2200 of those people to go to patreon.com slash absurdity podcast disruptive adventism uh we'll we'll love you forever (laughs) but uh yeah that's like that's significant so the, the response has been overwhelmingly negative and that's why it's getting so much traction people aren't sharing it going this is great people for the most part are sharing it going this is terrible we don't like this 
Um, and I think it comes from both sides either. Like, you know, like as a whole, I even think or I have had conversations with people that may agree with the compliance unity document or that may disagree with women's ordination that are like, yeah, this was not the best move. Like just optics That's wise. That's interesting. I haven't had that conversation with anyone yet. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I had a conversation with two individuals, you know, and, you know, we were talking about this video and they were like, yeah, you know, we may agree with uh, the stance right now. We don't like ordination for women or whatever, but they're like, we don't like the video because it's like, it kind of shuts down conversation and it kind of like just tells you, well, you just need to follow this. You just need to be, because I mean, the video says like, let's just get along. Like, you know, let's be united. Yeah. Let's, let's go together. You know, it uses a lot of language that is very helpful to see like, oh, well, you know, we are a family we are supposed to be together. And I don't know what kind of family this is. You know, like that's that's one thing that when I was watching the video, it's like, what kind of family are you portraying? Because this family is like, hey, I'm authoritarian. It seems to me, you know, it's just like, we made a decision, you need to follow. It's not like yeah. we made a decision, let's kind of re-engage. Is this what everybody wants? Yeah. So I'm going to quote from Dave Chappelle quoted a book which is called pimp by iceberg slim and iceberg slim was a pimp in the 20s and 30s he was a black man from chicago and he was having an issue with one of his girls and he asked an older pimp how to deal with this how to deal with this very you know she was very uh, uh stubborn and and fighting him and he goes here's what you do you take a, a hanger and you beat her with it and you beat her almost senseless with it. Then when she's there in pain moaning, you give her a bath and you give her some pain uh, uh, medication and she will be so thankful to you for bathing her and soothing her and giving her the pain medication that she will always back you. A pimp, any manipulative totalitarian system will beat you to death and then convince you with the carrot that they never meant to use the stick. That is an, that is abuse and an abuse of power. One Oh one, I will beat you. And then I will say, I am sorry and reward you with a gift. And now we're getting into personal feelings on that. To me, that's what I saw. I immediately saw somebody who came in with a stick and said, get in line. And now they get to come in and say, see, I didn't really want to do this. This is your fault. You made me do this. It's gaslighting. It's gaslighting and abuse. At the, it's, it's, yeah. it's the abuse. I, you know, look at any psychologist. They'll tell you this. And that's why I quote that, you know, Dave Chappelle talks about one of the reasons why he walked away from, uh, if you don't know, Dave Chappelle was a black comedian, walked away from a multi-million dollar contract for several years. And the reason why he did that is because he was reading this book and he saw how this pimp was doing that. And he goes, oh, this is what the corporation has been doing to me. They'll treat me horribly. And then they reward me with this million dollar contract so that I'll be loyal to them. And he goes, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, and well, and to me, that's that's what that's how it came across to me. Now that's my personal feeling, um, but that's how it came across. You got to beat us with a stick. You got your way. Now you're trying to give us a bath and soothe us and give us pain and say, "See, this is your fault. I didn't want to do this. Don't make me do. See here, let me make you feel better." My issue with it is a, um, 
I think it's dis. I think it actually misrepresents the uh, the side that it actually rep- that it, it is representing, in that it's using techniques and tools that that arm of the, the, the that the more conservative arm of the church has long been criticizing, which is use of music and use of emotions, things like that. The emotional appeal. I was not a fan of that um, because I'm like that's not even like you're you're clearly pandering here, and that's not okay. But the other issue I had with it is I don't like being talked down to. And it's it's really like it it that video to me does not respect my intellect or why I've come to the conclusions I've come to. Uh, it, it feels like they're talking to me like I'm a five year old and I don't understand how families work. And on top of that, it paints me as a rebellious child. And them as the parents or as the the GC as the parents. And I've already talked about this on another episode. Yeah, we've talked the GC this. is yeah. not the parent. The local level is the parent Mm -hmm. and every level of church organization that exists, exists as a child enabling, um, enabling the local level to do what it's meant to do. Like I, I, so I, I see that completely backwards anyways. So that, those are kind of my two big issues with it. But Jose, I'm going to let you kind of jump in here. Yeah. I think, uh, one of the biggest or like the big issue that I saw is that with a lot of the people that participated in this video, they had the same opinion. And, you know, in the video, I don't remember who it was, but I think it's one of the ladies. And she says, some of us, right, did not feel correct or did not feel that this was the best approach. Talking about those of us who agree with women's ordination, right? Yeah. And I'm like, but the one saying it is not part of that us, right? And a lot of the, um, a lot of the language that was used, it was an us versus them language yeah that it was like this is not a family like i mean a family is just a collective us like regardless of whether where where you stand on whatever issue that is in the church that is controversial at the end of the day we're one big family and that's something that i love about adventism you know that i can disagree with you and i still be part of the church so that's one issue the other issue that really bothered me was using children Mm, you know i think that that was i think because i mean i don't know maybe that child doesn't know what they're doing, you know, like to a certain degree, not to a certain degree, like in reality, they, they don't know. They may not be informed about everything. And one other thing that I found problematic was when they mentioned the whole idea of TOSC, the Theology of Ordination Study Committee. Yeah, I, mm. <laughs> that to me was very pro- problematic. I, yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I, I'm so with you, man. Like I can't even talk about the details of what they talked about because when I actually like went through, like we could take a whole 45 minutes just to talk about that one thing and how wrong they were. Because if you actually look at what Tosk said, and we've mentioned this multiple times on here, two thirds of Tosk said, yeah, we either biblically have found evidence for this or we, we, it, the Bible is unclear about this. So I'm like, yeah, you want to bring Tosk in? That only hurts your position. Well, and, and the way that it was handled at GC 15 was so, so, miserably done um that honestly i personally and again i'm gonna get in trouble and fine because you know people leaked this out and i've already had facebook messages from people who disagree with me you know calling me an idiot how how is everyone else getting these but me i don't get any no one ever messages me negative feedback that's because they don't love you um it's true (laughs) it's true uh no but like the way it was handled is going to be something that God will bring down and bring judgment on. 
I feel personally. I think God will look at them and and legit bring judgment on them for what they did because that was manipulative and demonic. It was satanic. Well, it was not of God the way that they handled it because it, so who's it was they? Just let, not, let, let, let's be clear. When I here, say they, they I specifically am referring to the leaders of the opposition to women's ordination and the GC. That's okay. the they. That's I. I they want you to be able, like, if you're going to make cost, that strong yeah. of a statement, we need to be clear I'm, on who we're I'm talking with, about. I am with you on that. I don't necessarily agree not, with. They did not spread the information correctly. And, and like I said, I wish I could go to the different reports, but this is just stuff that I heard when I was there. This is stuff that I was hearing from the actual pastors. They were literally coming up from, from various divisions going like, what is this task? I've never heard of this before. You know, yeah, people I, were there. So when they brought that up, I was like, even in the details of what they said, we could talk about that forever. Cause Jose, you, you are so on point when they brought that up. I was like, Oh, hold up, hold up. You're bringing yeah. this in your defense. Then you clearly don't know what you're talking about. And honestly, I, I was already checked out by that point. At that point, I was unwilling to listen to anything else they had to say. I go, because you, you, you are so in a bubble of your own making that you don't even realize what you're saying. Well, I will say, I don't think it was, Satanic or demonic, I tend to not want to use those terms. Not that there's anything wrong with the fact that you did. I just tend to... I'm not there. I do agree with you that it was nefarious. I don't like how they handled it at all. I don't go that far necessarily, just for the sake of balance. But the uh, other thing, like, that's not the... That's not even the only thing they were factually incorrect on. Like, they they also misrepresented all three votes regarding women's ordination in, in the church history. Because they said three times, three times, three times, the church has voted no on women's ordination. They, then they held once in 1990 and then, and then they held, they had two children hold up signs for 1995 and 2015. However, and then right after that, they say, and we even voted no on divisions right to choose for themselves. Okay. Only one of the three votes actually discussed women's ordination on its own merits. And even that vote wasn't a direct. No, the vote was to approve the report of a commission from the year's from, from annual council in 1989, right? So 1989 annual council put together a commission. The commission said, Hey, because most of the church doesn't agree with this yet, our, our recommendation is no on women's ordination and GC in session in 1990 just voted to approve that report. So it wasn't even on biblical basis. It was on unity and, and world church basis. Okay, cool. Fine. Closest you can get to a solid no on women's ordination both 1995 and 2015 on their own were simply about regional rights to decide for themselves. So they misrepresented the three votes because they imply that women's ordination was voted no three times. And that's not the case. It was barely voted no once. And even in the no that it was voted or the one time it was voted, no, it was not even for biblical reasons. It was for completely just logistical reasons. And because we don't like disagreeing with each other, like that was, that was it. So they mischaracterize, they misrepresent these votes um, in a way that that is is in that to me is incredibly dishonest. Like it 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 is dishonest to me. And listen, I if you're if you're going to put content like this out there, you need to. And I've I've long said this on this podcast. I'll say it anywhere I go. You if you are asking people to watch your content, to listen to your content, to read your content then you owe it to the people you listen to to listen to both good and bad feedback. So if you think I'm being harsh on them, there are people that are harsh on this podcast, maybe not to my face, but apparently to Tony's face. 
Uh, there are there are and the one star. Yeah, <laughs> and no, that one star. Whatever, whoever you are that gave me that one star rating, kudos to you for proving my point. Um, you need to take the good with the bad, and I'm going to be hard on your video because it's influencing people. And mm-hmm. I don't. Agree. We were hard on Michael Polite's video, and yeah. we agreed with and him. We agreed with him. Yeah, <laughs> we agreed with him. We spent like so we spent like thirty five of the fifty five minutes being like, "This is where he went wrong." <laughs> on a video we liked and agreed with ninety percent of. I love it. I love it. So yeah, that was that was another thing that I really didn't like. Um, and then they framed the compliance system as a system of understanding, understanding, dialogue, dialogue, and eventually consequences well, and, for, to bring members back into harmony. And, and can I go back to where was the dialogue? That's that's why it felt to me. Like the pimp situation. I'm going to keep bringing it up because I want to emphasize how much it felt that way. Because what dialogue? Yeah. What dialogue? I, I, I don't know. Specifically, we keep asking for dialogue to talk about it. And instead, what we're being told is no, the GC decides. This is the yeah. whole thing that we are, we're bringing, we're like, let us decide. Let us talk about it. Let's do this. But instead, it's not. Instead, it's it's rushed. Things are pushed. Things, you know what I mean? It's like there is no dialogue. We're not actually. And when we do dialogue about it, like in Tosk, and we get together and study it, those findings are either hidden, not explained well, or disregarded. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I I a hundred percent agree with you, and I think. I, I think people would be shocked to see how much money has been spent on this. Like, let's talk about the reports. Um, I think Spectrum actually reported this. So, um, I, you know, this is a report. But let's, just, let's for the sake of argument, assume that that report is true, right? It, it, it's, it is an unvalidated claim. The unvalidated claim is that Ted Wilson, over the last year, was traveling to different countries and basically politicking for support of the compliance document stuff. And... Um, one of the ways that he said he would do that was by by talking with key leaders of that that would have resisted the compliance document and basically guaranteeing to them that this wouldn't be targeted towards them first. It would be targeted towards unions out of compliance on ordination first. Okay, let's assume just just for the sake of assuming that maybe it was him just traveling somewhere and him having the conversations with them. And it wasn't like an official campaign to get this done, but it was like, hey, have you in a room? Can I talk to you about this real quick? Right. Let's just assume it was that the second that that happens, that trip has now become about the compliance document. And I have no problem categorizing any funds used to get him from point A to point B and back to cover lodging, to cover food, per diem, all of that. All of that is tithe payer money that is going into this kind of thing. And I think people would be shocked to find out whether even even if what I just said, even if you discount it completely shocked at how much money has gone into the discussion the voting, the uh, the the time spent in committees and commissions about this issue, and then how much money was wasted on the findings of different committees, and uh, not being well put out, well uh, well produced, uh, well or readily available or easy to access, um, or even well publicized, right? Like the the waste of money that has been on this issue. Um, and now we're talking about a video that seems to be a total waste of dialogue. <laughs> like I, I, I have a lot of issues with this, even on a greater financial spectrum. 
honestly, it doesn't bring the other side to the conversation. And that's why, you know, I referenced this lady that said some of us felt uncomfortable with this decision. If that would have been someone that actually agrees with ordination saying that, you know, if, if the voices represented in this video would have comprised all the voices in the North American division, at least, for example, you know, and it was more of a dialogue video than a you know, let me speak at you this truth or this idea that I have, I think it would have been, it could, it could have been handled way better. You know, just be like, hey, this is what we think. This is what we think. And this is how we can move forward, you know, in unity, in real unity, not just because the video is about uniformity, is about telling, you know, the rebellious side of the church, just get in line, get back into the uniformity and another thing that, you know, you guys mentioned when it comes to them underscoring and talking about ordination, it's just that I wished, I wish clearly say, and I wish that they will clearly say this, that women can be pastors. I wish that all, you know, whatever amount of pastors we have in the North American division can stand in front of their congregations and say, according to general conference policy, yes, women cannot be ordained. But we believe in the leadership, spiritual leadership of women as elders, as deacons, as pastors, as anything but conference presidents. That's literally the only thing that they cannot be. So for me, it's just like, why, you know, can you not be in unity and compliance about spreading that message too? Because that's where, I mean, at least for me, and I know for a lot of people that agree with women's ordination, the problem is inequality lack of equality for men and women. So, well, well I, I go ahead, Tony. I, I think that you hit the nail on the head. Well, they won't say that because they don't want women pastors. But well, they, beyond that, they don't, they like, I can't say why I know this because I don't want to throw anyone unnecessarily under the bus, but I can guarantee this knowledge at least because of people that are in that video. I just don't want to throw names under the bus necessarily. But there is an entire arm of the church that sees that women can be deacons, elders, and the rest of it. They see that as a, as a precursor that got us here. In other words, they want that rolled back. There's, there's a portion of the church that wants yeah. even that GC policy rolled back and women completely taken out of leadership. They don't want women elders. They, so don't they, want, they, yeah. won't even, they won't even concede that point because they don't think that point should be a point. Well, that's, that's task paper one. When you, I mean, when yeah. you read, when you take the time to read the Theology of Ordination Study Committee, all of the three positions, you know, like position one, position two, position three, none of them discuss ordination. They are discussing whether women can be pastors and whether they can be ordained. And that's something that I really do not understand. It's like, we already agreed, yeah. even before 1995, even before 2015, that women can be pastors. That's an, We arrived at that yeah. understanding through the Bible, through study, you know, so let's just, yeah. why cannot we agree on that and then move into the whole ordination, which yeah. is like, well, I let's I just get rid of ordination. I think that was the point of the TOS committee was that they weren't just looking at women's ordination. They were looking at ordination. What they were saying is, if you can be ordained, you first have to be a pastor. So we first have to understand what ordination is. And, and so if women can't be pastors, then they can't be ordained. And the thing is that they can be ordained as elders. But not and, that's, and see, that's the point is they go, if yeah, it actually was just a theology of women's ordination, then I think we, you know, whatever that would be, um, then I think it goes to a different story. But the first thing was, this is just ordination across the board. So if you actually yeah. look at it, 
they're just straight up talking about ordination, period. And they do mention women specifically in some instances, but the point was to just look at ordination. And they go, yeah, if you're a pastor, you can be ordained. That's what basically two-thirds of them said. If you're a pastor, you can be ordained. And then the one-third said, we find biblical evidence that women cannot be pastors, basically. But they all agreed, if you're going to be a pastor, you can be ordained. That's the only qualification. Yeah. Is us saying, which really should be it, right? I mean, this isn't the point of this episode. We're talking about that. But when we go back to the main point of why this is even here, we have to go back to this main point of this is not a doctrinal issue. They're making a five-minute video. Uh, and and I'll, I'll admit, I play a ton of video games. I'm a heathen. Um, but I love Jesus. He's working on it. Uh, Far Cry 5, if you've ever played that game, it's all about this weird cult in Montana. And they have a video, and that that video, um, it literally has that same thing. Come to us. Come back to us. You were, you know, come come back. It's a very, very similar message. And so when everyone's saying, well, this has such a culty feel, I'm like, yeah. I I I, I went back, and I, re- I looked at that YouTube video, and I go, it kind of does. And that's very, very different. Obviously, it has a different tone. But it's that same kind of basic message of, well, come back to us, come back to us, come back to us on an issue that really we've already decided, like you're saying, Jose, we've already said women can be pastors. So why are we saying come back to something that we're already agreed on? It, 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 it kind of, it dances in circles because again, it's like, well, you're arguing a point that we're not arguing. Yeah. Well, okay, so there's one more thing, one more criticism of this video that I want to, I really wanted to be clear on. I've heard it expressed a lot, and I think it's a really good point, which is the targeted use of women to represent this issue as, yeah, yeah women are okay with it too. So, like, basically what they're doing is by the use of women in saying that, yes, we're okay with this, like, that's basically what what the, the use of yeah. majority women are. To be fair, a lot of people on the liberal camp have been calling for women's voices to be heard. So I get that they were trying to make that represent that. Well, the problem is they didn't do it well. And so what it, what it comes across as regardless of intent, what it actually is communicated is, uh, see women, we're okay with it too. And if you disagree with us, you're being sexist. That's what it, that's what it gets. That's what ends up getting communicated. I don't appreciate it. The targeted use of women that also misrepresents where all women are on the issue is the same as when Natasha, Dissinger, Dissinger. I actually don't know how to say her last name. Um, Dissinger, I think. Dissinger. Uh, when she talked in 2015 and at GC session, and she said, "I represent all these women, and I feel like it's my highest calling." Like Ellen White says, to be a mother, and all these women were like, "Well, I can't be a mother. You don't speak for me." Or you know, I I don't remember voting for you. Same thing. It's it's people claiming to speak for people <laughs> that never allowed them to speak for them. So it's it's like it is misrepresentation again, mischaracterization, and in my opinion, manipulation as a result. I I'm with you on that. This has actually been the one critique I do have of the North American division is that we have a distinct lack of female voices. Like I I think it's awesome that we're fighting for them, but I also think that I think there should be more women that should be allowed to stand up. And, and it's and, hard to and find representation. And it, now I get that this is a chicken and egg situation, right? Like, you know, you kind of have to put the horse before you put the cart, 
right? Like fighting for women in leadership is why, you know, the reason why we can't find women's voices in leadership is why we have to fight for women's voices in leadership. But at the same time, I'm yeah. also like, well, we have a lot of women leaders. Let's let them speak. And what's interesting is a lot of the women leaders that I've talked to, they just want to follow what God's doing. Yeah, they're just trying to get work done. They're just, they're <laughs> like, I'm trying to baptize people. Like, I don't have time to, I just got to do what God's telling me to do. And, you know, someone like our our friend Anna Romald, you know, she's just doing an incredible job following what Anna God's Bennett. doing. Anna Bennett. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, She's doing such an incredible job. Um you know, at Southern and, and a good friend of mine and I just see what she's doing. And she's like, you know, yeah, I, I want to hear more, but honestly, I just want to follow what God put him, the calling of the book God put on my heart. And so when I hear other people all of a sudden say, well, we speak for, and I'm like, Ooh, you can speak for yourself. Yeah. Until, unless someone else until, asked until, you to. Yeah. Until even if they did. Yeah. Me, I, I come from the party of, well, cite your sources, show me mm-hmm. the signatures on the petition of all the different women that you speak for. Now I get that you might be, but to me it goes back to cite your sources. And again, it goes back to that idea. You know, we have all these, all this, these, these things that they're saying that I'm like, "Eh, that's not true. That's not correct. That's not factually accurate. Yeah. Um, and it, it just makes me, it, it makes those points where they go, and I'm speaking for them go, well, if you were wrong about this, you're probably wrong about that. Yeah. You know, one, one last thing that I want to say about this whole, like, you know, idea of inequality, like, you know, it's, so I'm going to go to like a, I guess a plug for my paper. So I wrote a paper on this topic of women's yeah. organization and yeah. stuff like that. I remember that. And something that I came across was in the 1970s, there was inequality of pay in, in conferences, you know, here, here in North America. I mean, you're thinking 1970s, that's a long, long time. Like, you know, from, the time where, you know, women were allowed to, well, maybe a couple of years after women were allowed to vote and women were, were kind of like paying equally even today. We don't have equal pay. But here's the quote from one uh, seven-day Adventist administrator. She died. She passed away a couple of years ago. Her name was Miriam Wood. And she said, why? Her question is in the context of unequal pay. So why? Are our seven-day Adventist male leaders so insecure, so mediocre, yet so grossly convinced of their superiority that they cannot accept women as equals? I hope not. I hope and believe that when the facts are made clear, our leaders will show themselves to be courageous and unafraid to take the necessary steps for the correcting of unfairness to women employees. And I think that quote really encapsulates like the whole thing. Like, you know, sometimes and a lot of the times, like, you know, I think male leaders are insecure, mediocre, and they are really convinced that they're superior to women, like from a human level. And I think that's the problem at its root. I feel like if we can solve that, you know, the other things is like, sure, ordination, who cares? Like, I mean, aren't we supposed to all baptize, all organized churches? Aren't we supposed to all be disciples of Christ in the same way? I mean, that's that's just, you know, what it, it keeps coming back to. It's all like, a, we are all humans. We're all disciples. We're all followers of Christ. When we can, Once we can do that, we can keep moving on in the mission of the church. Well, yeah. I, so at this point, I want to I want to make the plug for if you have not gone, go back and listen to our episode on sexism and advocacy with Anna Bennett. Yeah, um, it talks a lot about how we can deal with that exact issue. Was that 40, so, 44, 47? 
47, I think. Somewhere in there. 47 yeah. or 46, somewhere in there. That's but yeah, one. it's actually our fourth or fifth most, most downloaded episode yeah. right now. Yeah. Uh, it's a little over 2,000 downloads. So um, go check that out. Yeah. It's definitely worth listening to. Um, let's And we'll put a, Jose, a link to Jose's paper as well. Um, oh, wow. All I, I Jose, expect to get like 10,000 downloads all, right there. All of Jose's <laughs> content will be linked in the episode description. Yeah. So one last thing I want to talk about. Um, and this is a greater point that the video actually just played into, which is this. And both we've, we've suffered from this. I've suffered from this on this podcast. We suffer from this on Facebook comments, um, which is the usage of the term message and mission. The blanket reference to it's our message. It's our, we just need to get back to mission and our message and we just need to do mission. It's just a distraction from mission and everyone uses mission. Like we all agree on what mission and message is. Mm -hmm. But in fact, we don't like we, we actually don't. No one ever defines the phrases. So you can't ever challenge it because then they'll just accuse you of wanting to distract from mission. And no one wants to distract from mission. No one wants to take away from mission. Right. So there's this and, and the video does this multiple times. They say it's our message and our mission to, uh, you know, we're, we're we're voting to continue our message and our mission. And we need to be in harmony to to keep going in our message and mission. It's it's that that, you know, subliminal message pushed through and, and literally in those, in, in those words in some cases. So I want to talk about what's wrong with this idea. I know Jose has thoughts on this. Tony, I don't, we've not talked about this specifically, so I don't know what your thoughts are on this. Um, but um, I want to give I'm, Jose, since he's the guest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's, Jose, why don't you give us your thought on, on the use of, of message and mission? So when you use mission just for saying the word mission, it loses its full effect. You know, that's why I, I'm starting to coin a different phrase called multifaceted mission, because you can encompass a lot of aspects like social aspects, like religious aspects, like evangelistic efforts, um, maybe economical. You know, mission is all encompassing. And when we just put like and just say like, oh, let's go focus on the mission. What mission? I mean, like we need to define what that mission is. And for me, you know, someone that's really interested in different matters of life you know, mission to the community. That needs to be the same mission as spreading the gospel, like, you know, helping social relief, social impact, doing uh, matters of like, you know, teaching others how to live life. I mean, you know, I'm I'm heading down in the next couple of months, uh, in a month, about a month from now, I'm going to be heading down to pastor three congregations, you know, and a lot of them are undocumented immigrants. And, you know, they like the mission there is still to recuperate, you know, and to further the gospel. But it's different than when you have a English church or maybe a Asian church, right? But the mission is so multifaceted. And that's why I like that word. You know, instead of just saying mission for the sake of mission, it's just like, it's a blanket term nowadays. And I really hate that because Jesus had a mission when he came to earth to save people, but not only to save them spiritually, but to save them from you know, their sins, yes, but also from their social status, their social, you know, inequality. And I think we need to do more of that in the church. But when we just use the message or when you use the the words message and mission, we kind of like not define it at all. And we compartmentalize it instead of letting it have its full effect. Well, and what I find interesting is, you know, if you are on the conservative side and you're using the term message and mission, like let's go ahead and define those terms real quick. The message of the Seventh-day Adventist Church is that uh, Jesus is coming soon. Like that's, Jesus loves you. 
and he's coming and he died to save you and he's coming soon. Like that's the, that's the message of the Seventh-day Adventist church. And we specifically frame that through the, 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 through the three angels message found in Revelation 14. Okay. That's the message of the Seventh-day Adventist church. Jesus is coming soon, come out of the world and into a relationship with him because he's coming soon and he loves you, and he died for you, and he lives for you. Okay, great. The mission of the Seventh-day Adventist Church is to spread that message. So, the message and mission. You can go look up the mission statement of the SDA Church. You can go look up the message of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. At no point in any of the, in either of those two things does it tell us who can do those things. And in fact, if that's the way that you're going to define message and mission, even by the official Adventist Church website and, and voted mission statement in general session, right? The newly uh, designed. Newly designed. Yeah. Yeah. The, the <laughs> newly branded. Um, the Then you are left with almost no choice but to be in support of women actually being a part of this. Because Ellen White supports women being involved in carrying the message and mission of the church. For gospel ministry. For, for gospel ministry. So, like, let's, 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 let's if you're going to, even if you want to use those terms without defining them, then you're actually supporting women's ordination, not going against it. Which I find, which I find kind of funny and ironic, but it it doesn't help us to continue using message and mission. It's just like the word unity. You know, a few years ago we started. Tony, you were involved in this. We started a ministry called Unite. Ended up flopping on its face, and I'm so glad it did because now the word unity is completely trashed. Like the word unity has been poisoned in the SDA church at this point. It really has, and I'm so glad well, I, th- I don't. Ha- I think like, if we, I think if we'd had Unite. They would have had to choose a different word because it, it would have been such a powerful. <laughs> That's have, right. Unite would have been so great. They could they would have called yeah, something else, but the Lord knew um, the Lord. Yeah, knew. the Lord knew. So I like I, I have issues with 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 this. I don't like it. I think it's I do think it's misrepresenting. And I think it's I think it's a subtle form of manipulation. To, oh, so you disagree with me. So you're disagreeing with message and mission. <laughs> no, I'm not disagreeing with message and mission. In fact, I want that message and mission to be carried out as far as possible. I want the world to know that Jesus loves them, that he died for them, and that that he wants to save them from themselves, from a sinful world. He wants to restore this world to what it was originally intended to be all along. That's a beautiful message. And, that's a, and I think that's a beautiful mission to say there's more to your life than what you're living now. And so I like, but it is dangerous. I don't like it. I'm not a fan of it. Tony, your thoughts? Let's. I, I haven't actually given you the chance to speak on this. <laughs> no, I'm. I'm with you guys on that. I think this is a fight between principle and tradition. Um, I remember there was a big hullabaloo about a, a big conference um, uh, uh, that came together, and somebody came. I came here to listen to present truth, and I didn't hear any present truth. And and they started describing what present truth was to them, and I go, oh, so that's past truth. Present truth to them was a traditional Adventist message. It meant a specific type of message. It was not truth that is present. It wasn't the principle of present truth. It was a specific tradition of Seventh-day Adventist truth. And I think when we talk about message and mission, there are two types of message and mission, the principle of message and mission or the tradition of message and mission. And personally, I don't have an issue with traditions you know, the number one thing Jesus fought when he was here on this earth wasn't demons. It was traditions from the conservative right, from the religious conservatives of his time. 
And he constantly went to them and said, you think in your traditions are going to save you. You think in these scriptures are going to save you. I'm what saves you. And he goes, I came to show you the principle of it. Yeah, you might write this law that gets you out of this, but you break God's law in doing that because there's a principle behind that law that you're breaking. And so to me, when I hear mission, message and mission, I think you are missing the principle of the message and the mission to serve and honor and build up the tradition of the message and the mission, because that tradition has changed, did change, has changed, and will continue to change. How that those principles are presented, if you think there was one way that our founding fathers said it, you need to restudy your history. Ask any Adventist historian. Ask an amateur Adventist historian. It changed so Shout many out to times. Lucio. So many times. So many times. And so to me, if you stick with the tradition of message and mission, which is, I think, what you guys were, were pointing out, then, yeah, you're going to have issues. With, and you can say this issue. Oh, yeah. Hey, you're, you're against message, message and mission. Maybe that one. But if I want to spread the gospel, if the principle, if I want to do the principle behind it, then yeah, I, I'm I'm 100% with you. So that's why I think the, the difference is. It's like, that you know, when we say unity, one person says uniformity, one person says harmony, which is also interesting that they brought up that harmony. They kept saying harmony. I'm like, you don't know what harmony means. Like, yeah, <laughs> harmony is not. <laughs> literally what you're, what you're saying nope. is, you know, get in line and goose step along in the military parade not come in harmony with us. Like there's a difference. Yeah. Um, I will say, and I, I, I would caution cause I know you didn't mean to do this No, or maybe you did. I, I don't know if you did, um, but you did accidentally imply that uh, because Jesus was against conservatives, that Jesus is against. No, 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 no. I'm saying okay, so I wanna, of his day, wanna, of, his of his day, day. specifically okay, referring be, to I, the Pharisees. No, 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 no. I don't want to misrepresent not at all bringing people that to either. There. I'm saying in his time, those are the people that he was, and he fought against the Sadducees as well. So that's not the only group, but that's the group he consistently came up against. More than anything else, he's consistently finding him, fighting against the Pharisees. Any miracle he does, there's Pharisees there, and he has to turn around and talk to them and go, why would you say that I'm, you know, why do you say in your hearts? So of his day, I'm not taking that and applying it to today at all. I'm saying in his day, he is constantly fighting against tradition. So if I'm going to find something to base my life on, I'm going to base it on principle rather than on simply tradition. Yeah, So I'm glad you clarified that. Yeah, I wanted to be clear on that. I don't want to demonize your side here. That's not what this is. Um, We're critiquing content because that's what it is. And let's be clear. When I say conservative and liberal, I'm talking theological terms. Theologically, all of us are conservative here. I believe Even the in most a liberal, liberal Adventist yeah, is still a conservative, still conservative evangelical. I believe in a literal creation. I believe in the uh, well, the the historical grammatical understanding of the interpretation of the Bible. Uh, I believe in Ellen White. I believe so conservatively, theologically. All of us are conservative, and I think you and and Jose we're all on the same page with that here. None of us are liberal theologically. Maybe we're non traditional. But we're not, you know, I don't think any of us, if we say, well, the Bible doesn't really, no, we believe that. And so when I say, yeah, okay, but it's the tradition that I think we need to step up because tradition is what traps us up. The principles stay the same. Well, and um, 
Jose, just one line, one, one thing I want you to know here is, uh, you know, I, I both sides get it wrong too. Whether you're liberal or conservative, both sides get it wrong. And you know, me, someone who is traditionally aligned with the liberal side of the conversation, you know, I, I recognize that liberals get it wrong. I haven't gotten it wrong yet, but I know that liberals <laughs> in general sometimes get it wrong. But we haven't been wrong on this show yet, not not a single time. Uh, so I, you know, just it's worth pointing that out. And if you don't understand, that was deadpan sarcasm. <laughs> you wanted to We've say never something. gotten it. No, yeah. Jose. Something I wanted to say is that if you make a search on Ellen White writings of the word conservative, you will find very, very interesting insights. Yeah. You know, she she just says, like, you should never be a conservative. Like, you know, and, and she talks about just the word. I mean, of course, the word may have what meant the word a little actually bit different. means. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Because like she says, like when you're when you're quote unquote conservative, you do not allow progress or present truth to come. And I'm not talking about people that are conservative or people that are more traditional. You know, I've been in different churches. I've been in different spaces. And I'm all honestly, if I'm all for something is for learning your context. You know, for me, it's all about that because I can function in a church that is non-traditional, like Crosswalk, for example, or I can go to PMC or Collegedale and still enjoy the service. You know why? Because I learned that worship is more than just my preference. You know, worship is more all encompassing. And I think the mission looks different in a more quote unquote liberal church than it looks in a conservative church. But as long as they're doing the mission, the actual mission, the multifaceted mission, then we're all on the same page. Right. Which is the harmony that we've been talking, right? Like all of us take that different part, but we're singing the same song. Yep. I would agree. All right, guys, uh, we're running out of time here. So uh, let's talk. Let's let's do this. I'm going to merge our last two questions of what's next and final thoughts. So merge those together. What do you think is coming next? And what are your final thoughts on this video and on this conversation that's that's happening because of it? Um, I mean, to me, I think it's good that we're talking about it. It's a mountain and molehill situation. I think to more, you know, we mentioned this a couple episodes ago. We don't talk about the mindset or the mentality of where people are. To me, this just reveals more of the mindset of where our leadership is. The The statements that were made, yes, they were retracted or explained or, or clarified later on, but the initial statements that were made at the annual council, to me, reveals where the heart is at. You can apologize for that later, but that, to me, reveals where your heart's at and where your head's at. This reveals where the heart's at and where the head's at. Um, the same concerns I mentioned in that episode are the same now. So going forward, I think this just clarifies, I think you were mentioning that it is positive. This does clarify, okay, this is where they stand for me at the GC actual session is when I realized, oh, the address, this is where Adventist review stands because of what they were pumping out every day. I go, oh, okay. All right. So it just clarified things. So I think number one, it just kind of, it, it, I don't want to say draw battle lines because that, that makes it sound like it's a battle. It's not an us them situation. Like you were saying, Jose, it's, it's all, you know, it's a family, but at least clarifies, okay, you can't hide behind the, we're talking about that. No, no, no. You've stated, this is what you're fighting about now. So I think it just clarifies a little bit more with where people are at. Um, and, and, you know, for my final thoughts on this, it's like, all right, you know, at the end of the day, we are making a bit. We're, we're making a bit of a mountain out of a molehill. The greater principle, I think, is a mountain, 
you know, is a hill you want to die on. But this molehill, I think, is just getting a lot more defined where we're like, all right, it's building up. It's becoming something. I don't think this is going to split the church. Everyone's like, oh, it's going to split. It's not going to split the church. Even this is not doctrinal. It reveals where the heart's at. It doesn't change what Michael Polite's saying to do. I still support the idea of starting a revolution. If anything, it just says, okay, well, this is how they're going to react. This is how the opposition is going to look at us and, and think of us. So it just means we know what we're up against if we decide that we just we want to get more involved and we want to get heavily involved and we want to start um, gently but firmly resisting. Yeah, good points. Uh, Jose, what about you? I think that what's next, I hope, I'm going to start with what I hope is not next. I hope what is not next is just the making of more videos. Not too like, like, yeah, <laughs> responses like, just, and, yeah. like responses and back and forth. It's just like, I really hope that we see dialogue. Like we're in a rap dialogue. battle now. The, the, yeah, I hope. <laughs> the Adam's version of gingers don't have souls. This is, this is literally, this is Eminem versus, uh, MGK, but through Adventist emotional appeal I, videos. I guess so. You know, I, I really hope that that doesn't follow. And as much as I think that a, a video kind of explaining why women in ministry is necessary or like that we voted that is necessary, I hope it's not in the same style format. You know, I hope that it's like, hey, let, you know, let's come together. What I see that's going to happen next is that and something that's actually a phenomenon because, you know, our church does reflect culture, you know, and what's happening in America as well which is something that's happening in America right now, is that a lot of Americans are starting to actually get involved into politics, you know, because they see, oh, they don't like Trump. Okay, well, you know, we actually have to do something about it and go vote. So I think that that's something that's kind of reflected upon or, our, or you know, our culture. Yeah. Yeah. Our, in, in our church culture, we see more members wanting to get involved into the whole, you know, division union like you know constituency and all of that and i think that's a very positive thing because in the past it has been like quote unquote handpick people that have gone to these you know sessions or anything like that i i wish and i really hope that this moves us to a more constituent based mentality of organization rather than just like we pick a representative that may agree with me or may not agree with me you know um instead of like Let's bring all the voices together. So what I hope is next, and my final thought is that I really hope that we have more dialogue and more people actually interested in the topic from many different perspectives. And I think it will be finished by 2020, hopefully. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, I'm going to echo both of your sentiments here. I don't. I, I think that's good for my final thoughts here too. Um, I, you know, I hope dialogue continues, and um, you know, I don't want to keep making podcast episodes about this issue. Uh, I want to talk about like, like we did an episode on mental, mental health counseling recently, you know, last real two weeks stuff. ago. So, you know, I want to, I want to keep producing stuff like that. Um, but if these things keep happening, we'll keep covering them because it's, I, I consider a responsibility to the audience that we have to people that are interested in this. So, I mean, our GC episode alone is our most downloaded episode at over, uh, sitting at over 4,100 downloads right now. So, um, it's significant. This is something that people are talking about. Um, but, uh, Jose, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate you. Tony, appreciate you as always. Glad you're back in Michigan safely. Um, if you want to follow anything Jose is doing with disruptive Adventism or find him on social media, just check the episode description. All of that info is there. If you have any feedback 
for us here at Absurdity as well. Our Twitter and emails are also going to be in the episode description. So you can find all that info there. Uh, and if you want to support us financially, you can find us at patreon.com slash absurdity podcast. And that is how you can support us financially. And shout out to Katie and Nick for being our most, our newest patrons. Uh, we appreciate you. I love you both. And so glad that you've, you've joined the crew so uh, to beautiful. the rest of you. Um, we love you as well. We'll just love you more when you give us money. <laughs> <laughs> we'll edit that out. That's we'll like edit the, that out. That's, that's the worst way to appeal. But no, we do love you. Without every listener, this doesn't happen. So Absolutely we appreciate not. you. Um, and so take care, guys, and we'll see you next week. Sorry. <laughs> I know the music has got to come. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology.